This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. I'm your host, Bev Jones. I'm an executive coach, and I write about careers. And my new book is called Find Your Happy at Work. It's about getting unstuck and creating more enjoyment and meaning on the job. Today, we're talking about remote work, about the challenges and opportunities it brings to both leaders and teammates. Our guest is Kevin Eikenberry, who's been described as one of the top leadership and management experts in the world. He's also a popular author and co-author, and his most recent book is The Long Distance Teammate, Stay Engaged and Connected While Working Anywhere. Kevin will talk about the opportunities and the challenges of remote work, and he'll offer tips from his book about how you can stay engaged and productive, and you can connect and collaborate with your teammates, even if you never meet in person. Kevin, it is so great to talk to you again, and I'm thrilled to have you on my podcast. You're you're just such a leader in the field of career and management and leadership, and, and it's always fun to talk to you, which is great. Uh, today, we're going to talk a lot about remote work, but you know, just like you on your wonderful podcast, I always love to hear about my guests' own career paths. It kind of gives us a way to, to listen more closely to what they're saying. And I would love to hear about how you became one of the world leaders on issues about about management and remote work and things like that. What, what did you do to get here? Well, uh, that's a good question. And thanks for having me. It's nice to be on the other side of the mic. The last time we chatted, uh, we were recording where I was interviewing you, if you will. And I think that was really a conversation. I hope this will be as well. Uh, but on the other side of the mic, so to speak. So uh, my background is that I grew up on a farm in Michigan, and I think that's important in the big picture um, because I think it says a lot about who I am and 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 what led me in a lot of the things that I came to do. I, I went to school to study agriculture and ended up and learned all about um, mechanical and biological systems, economic systems. And now I spend my time dealing with people systems, if you will, right? So I worked in corporate America for a number of years, and uh, but never, never really planned to work uh, for someone else for a very long. Had a great experience at Chevron for about eight years, and while I was there, I found my way from sales and marketing into uh, human resources and training. And Beverly, after that. Once I found that, I determined that's what I wanted to do. And so I started the company that is now the Kevin Eikenberry Group. And what I found is that the things that I was best at and fed me most uh, were things that allowed me to help people become both better personally and professionally. And to me, the perfect merger of that is leadership. And leadership being more than just a position, but but rather a, a verb. Right. And so uh, I found my way into uh, the le- leadership development 
world uh, a long, long time ago and have continued my journey there and have now had the great fortune to work with people from over 50 countries and uh, have been leading a team myself now for 20 years. And uh, for over a decade, that team has been hybrid or virtual, remote. So I've got people now that work on our team that are across the United States, including someone who lives with her husband in her RV. So although I always know where she is, she could be anywhere uh, in the continental United States. So I think, you know, I, I believe that I'm doing what I was put on earth to do and I feel very blessed and fortunate to have found that. And uh, the, the remote part specifically was what we began to live and what we be, began to realize was it was a growing trend and wanted to help the leaders that we were already working with um, get better at that particular uh, piece of that puzzle. And then, and then of course we had something called COVID that hit us. Well, you just answered a, a question that I was wondering about. I know you were way ahead of the curve in looking at remote leadership and, and remote work generally. You're in back in 2018, you wrote your book, the, long distance leader. So you were um, an expert by then, just when uh, a lot of people were only starting to recognize how big the the trend would be. Uh, did you ever think that in 2022, remote work would be this widespread? I, I know you're way ahead, but I and I've been working remotely for years, but I kind of thought it'd be a real slow process. Well, you know, the trend was up and to the right in terms of people working from home at least some of the time. There's no doubt that that's true. But for me to say that, oh yeah, uh, it's fifth that that we would be talking in uh, early 2022, and the research shows that fit fully 50 percent of people have worked at remotely at least part of the time. There's no way anyone could have expected that it was going to happen in the way that it's happened, and no one could have expected that having a flexible work location would go from being the number one requested perk to being, in many cases, the number one criteria for taking a job. And so, no, I, you know, I, I don't think that uh, we can claim that we had, we were, the, we were seeing the future that clearly, but I think we knew that the world was moving in that direction. And uh, what, the, what the pandemic did was, was accelerate explosively that trend and put us in a place where so many people have now had the chance to work in places other than an office that we'll never, ever go back to what we had before. Well, we know we won't go back. There's just no way. But there's still a lot of uncertainty about where we're going to go. Of course, uh, some tasks you can't do remotely if you're a, a doctor or a chef, but there are also lots of people who really believe in collaboration and creativity um, as things that work best when people together are together in person. Um, it, there, there are a lot of different views, as you know, and but it, it seems like what everybody's saying now down the road, a lot of uh, people are going to be working in hybrid situations, um, and. But nobody knows what that exactly means. Can you give us um, your prediction? What What is uh, a hybrid workplace going to be like uh, in two or three years down the road? Well, let me answer that a couple of different ways. 
first of all, I love the word hybrid. We started using the word hybrid a long time ago. I wish Beverly that we could be, we were credited with being the ones that came up with that phrase, but I just think it sort of happened even though we'd been using it for a long time. But let me start with my prediction. Here's my prediction about the future of work. The future of work is flexibility. And so what that will look like in terms of where people work, when people work, how people work, who does the work will all be situational. You know, if we go back 15 years ago, 10 years ago, even um, when people said work, they all knew what it meant. And it went, it, it meant some version of um, what we learned from Henry Ford and a nine to five assembly line world. And something we learned in the fifties and sixties from the, the organizational man model of being in an office. That's what work was with a combination of those two things. But what work will be in the future will be far more varied and far more flexible. That's what that part I can tell you for sure. Now to answer your question about hybrid specifically, uh, I don't think there's one right answer. I think the right answer is uh, will be determined by the needs of the organization, as you already said, the nature of the work, and more. I want to come back to the to your point about collaboration in a second. But when you think about the word hybrid, um, it, it it comes it, it comes from the idea. The definition of the word in, involves the idea of a mixture. Yeah. Right. And in, in the world of plant breeding, uh, where I happen to be on the board of directors of the world's largest popcorn genetics company in the world. And then so in the world of plant breeding, the idea of a hybrid is to consciously create something new and then create enough news that we find the ones that are better. Right. So in short, we cross various parent seed stock to find knowing that when we cross them, we will get something new. We don't know if it will be better. So what we then do is look to identify the criteria for what better is to determine the ones we want to select. So the future of hybrid work is doing the work of determining what is it that better will mean for our organizations and then creating the version that looks like that for us. Uh, back again to the future of work is flexibility. Well, let, let me ask a question that I know um, some people are worrying about now. I, uh, as you know, I'm a coach, and so I have a variety of um, clients in a bunch of different situations, but a number of, of leaders who are trying to figure out um, the ups and downs of going back to work. In many cases, it's a couple of people are going to the office a couple of days and nobody is being forced. And, you know, a lot of different things are happening now. But I think something that people are worrying about is that um, for some, it's easy and desirable to go in and meet with the team. And people are very excited about meeting up for coffee or, you know, finally seeing each other again if they live nearby. And those people um, are excited and they're bonding and it's 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 a it feels good for some people to be back at work all during covid everybody was working remotely because everybody was the same what about the people who are not going back to work are are living across the country or for whatever reason are uh, opting to and able to stay at home how does the leader make sure that we don't end up with um, two classes of um, uh, workers and, and the ones that have the advantage are the ones that are 
are there and, and, and can talk and go out to lunch together and things like that. How, how do you prevent kind of a class system? Well, so Beverly, you are you are describing my life right there uh, mm-hmm. by having a team that's spread out across the country and, and yep. have had for a long time. So here's what I will say, that the need for us to have human connection, for us to have strong working relationships, to allow us to do our work, doesn't go away. The need for people to have uh, a relationship with their leader uh, because people want to follow people that they know, like, and trust doesn't go away regardless of where people are working. So uh, we as leaders must become more flexible. I'll go back to that word. But we also must become far more intentional about a whole manner of things. We have to recognize that uh, if we want our teams to trust us, we must trust them. And so many people for so long have managed or led by line of sight. I can see them, so I think I know they're doing something uh, or uh, the people that I see are the people that I give the opportunities to do to, to be on a project or whatever. So we have to be aware that we don't consciously or unconsciously create differences between the groups. But we also need to make sure that we're encouraging through our own actions, the building of relationships, regardless of where people might be. So is there a risk of uh, of a two-class system of the home team and the away team of the mom likes you better sort of problems. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt that there is that risk. And if we don't do anything, that risk is very real. But we as leaders have the opportunity to help to overcome those things, number one, by identifying them as you just did. And then number two, by starting to think about a whole variety of things that we can do to keep people connected, to keep people engaged, and for us to lead the way in those things. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Master's in Public Administration or Environmental Studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash School. Well, I'm a big uh, proponent, you know, of kind of taking charge of your own career and acting like an entrepreneur wherever you are, kind of looking for opportunities and and uh, really um, not waiting for somebody else to, to take care of your opportunity to flourish. And that resonated. Those kind of things are kind of are very much in your book, The Long Distance Teammate. You're really giving some guidance to people who may not have... Um, taken responsibility before. I liked uh, one of the, the things that I like in your book is, is your 3P model. It, it's, it's a way to help people start taking charge of their career a little more. And uh, um, can you tell us a bit about, uh, about that? And, and, and maybe we'll go into some of your other suggestions for taking charge. Sure. Sure. So we identified in our research leading up to the long distance teammate book, which came out uh, in about a year ago, actually, 
Uh, and, and we identified that there are three major factors that have a huge impact on our success as a remote teammate. And those are productivity, getting better at being productive when we're working in different locations uh, or a new location. Um, proactivity, which is, is that idea of taking responsibility, being willing to move forward, as you said, not waiting, um, because we're sitting out here on our own in our pajamas in our <laughs> at our dining room table, wondering if anyone's going to call. Well, being proactive is a huge piece of this to say, what can I do to help? How can I help? What can I do? What what do I need to be doing? Those sorts of things. Proactivity. And then lastly, potential is to think about our potential in the long term, not only our potential for our careers, but our the potential that we have to have a positive impact on the team and every and those around us, even if they're not literally physically around us. So productivity, proactivity, and potential. And and I think potential gets us back to the theme of relationships and collaboration and making sure you're not the person who's left behind because you're you're not engaged with your colleagues. Relationship building is is um so important, but a lot of people haven't done it consciously. They've just been in offices and maybe they had good friends and it happened organically. Do you have some tips for people who want to be proactive about building relationships, but it's not been on their uh, radar before? How, how do you start in a remote environment to, to build relationships with people you don't get to see? in person. Well, here's the thing about relationships. We've all built them our entire lives. Some of us are better at it than others, right? But we we talk about in the long distance teammate, we talk about two two ideas, two pieces that when put together tell us what the strength and the nature of our relationships are. And those two factors are level of relatedness, how much do we have in common, and level of interaction how often and how do we communicate? So if we take those two things and say, the more frequently we have interaction and the more related we are, the more the higher levels of relatedness we have, the stronger our relationships. So what you can do is you can simply take, you can simply draw a graph and say, and put relatedness on one axis and interaction on the other axis and say, what's happened to my relationships during this time of us not being together? And if it's not where I want it to be, this gives you two clues about what you could do. You could work to have more frequent, richer interactions. And an interaction, by the way, is not just the work and the weather, right? We got to get beyond that. Or finding or rekindling those things that we have in common. And so when we take those as two big overarching ideas, any of us can start to apply that to say, I want to consciously work on building my relationship with someone by frequency of interaction level of relatedness. And the relatedness doesn't have to be in the context of work. I, I, um, absolutely not. In fact, probably better if it's not right. Yeah. I have two Labrador retrievers who are very good when I'm working usually. And when I'm on a, a zoom or something, they might be seen sitting in the background and almost everybody comments and a huge number of people lift change their camera or lift up their puppy. Almost everybody these days seems to have a dog. And it's a great way, like with a new client or somebody you're interviewing or something like that, it's a great way to connect. 
So for people who um, want to go beyond example. pet stories, what, what else can, how else can somebody who's, who's kind of maybe a little bit shy, how, how can they go about finding relatedness with their colleagues? How do, how do your people do it? They're spread across the country. Well, one of the things you don't do is say, let me, hey, are you a sports fan? Like, you don't have to do that. But if someone, yeah, but yeah. you know, like if you, if you know that though, right, then you, you work off of that. Like I, I have some members of my team who are huge fans of their alma maters in football, basketball or more. And so I make it a point, oh, I happen to like college football and college basketball as well, but I have, I make it a point of knowing how their teams are doing, what happened, who they're playing next week. So when I'm in a conversation with them, I can make a comment or I can ask them um, uh, if they're going to be watching or any of those things. Those are little things. So the, the, the point I would make first is listen for and find them and then go where they are. Right. Uh, and so you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to uh, feign, uh, interest, but you can share the fact that you understand that's their interest is one of the things that you can do. The other thing that you can do is make sure that you are interacting about more than just the work and the weather. And so if you're a leader or a team member, the next time you're having a call with someone, and when I use the word call, that could mean a Zoom, right? Or a Microsoft yeah. Teams meeting or whatever. Um, I, the word call doesn't necessarily mean the phone, although I think we've forgotten that we can still use the phone. It doesn't have to be on video. Um, the reality is make sure that you're trying to get beyond just the work. So ask them how they're doing and they say something about their child in soccer. And so now you've got a hook. And so now you can ask something about the soccer. And if you have a soccer uh, kid as well, or you were a soccer mom or dad, then you've got, you've found that place of relatedness. Uh, you know, use, use the pet, use the things in the, you know, one of the things that we've had the chance to learn about our coworkers uh, by being on zoom is we can see their background. And I know some people are using a, you know, a, um, a fake green screen. So that looks like they're in the, they're in the, on the beach yeah. or they're looking like they're wherever. And that's fine. But for people that have been comfortable with sharing where they actually are, we get all sorts of visual clues, just like we got when we walked into people's offices. And in some cases we're getting richer clues now. And so don't, don't ignore those. Use those as things to ask questions about. If you see behind them a, a bunch of books, then you may not have known they were a reader, but maybe you know they are now. Uh, and, and so you can ask them about what they're reading or what they've read recently. So there's a hundred ways to start to find these areas of connection. Uh, we just have to be more intentional about looking for them. And I think it's important to understand that being um, intentional and in networking, relationship building with colleagues, whatever, it's not creepy. Some people think that anything that's discussed in the context of networking is oh, um, not authentic, but it just is effective. I, I remember uh, years ago when I was a young lawyer in Washington, D.C., and I knew nothing about uh, professional sports. And um, having just come out of law school, I, I knew nothing about anything much than law because it's total immersion. <laughs> so I was always the only um, uh, woman there. And um, my husband, although I guess he was my boyfriend for part of that, he would give me like a little index card if, if I had important meetings or something saying, you know, this is what happened to the Washington the football skin. team, this, right? whatever. Yeah, exactly. uh, because so at least I, I didn't look 
like a deer in the headlight when people started talking about sports. And, and then I learned to kind of make a note if somebody, you know, was just crazy about Ohio State football or whatever. From there, you can, if you start making notes about something like that, you could make notes about other things just uh, on your contact list. If somebody has a 10-year-old kid they're crazy about, write that down so that you just become but if you start writing little notes to yourself, that's a great way to to develop the habit of being intentional, don't you think? So I'll give you two two thoughts. So yes, first of all, one hundred percent. And and so two things. I'll start with the last one first. Uh, one of the advantages of us being remote is that they can't tell that you're looking at those notes, right? Uh, uh, an hour ago, yes. I was on a coaching call with a client, and uh, I've been coaching her now for nearing nearing three months. And in one of our early calls, I asked her about her family, learned about her daughter. Uh, and so now I, 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 ha- I have had enough conversation with her that I know her daughter's name and that sort of thing, but I can look, it's right in my notes. I know how old yeah. she is. I know that she's learning the cello and she's at 14, she speaks Chinese. Like, so I have some wow. things that I can ask about, we can talk about, etc. Now I happen to remember them because I was just on my call with her. We have this advantage of that, that we wouldn't have face-to-face walking by their cubicle that we can take advantage. That's not creepy at all. And I want to go back to the, to the first part you said, people feeling creepy about it. Notice that everything I said and really everything that you said too was about them. Networking is creepy when it's about trying to get them to take our business card or making it all about us. When we are genuinely interested in other people, it's not creepy. It's welcomed. That's, that's exactly right. And just, uh, I'll note also, though, that some people have to work a little bit to share back. It's it's also creepy if you only ask and you never never share. So if you're if you're a very private yeah, exactly. person, yeah, come up with some things that you can you can comment upon uh, just to to show that you're you're open. So there are a lot of things that um, that we can do uh, in terms of working with our teammates and so forth. But also, do you find that uh, one of the ways people who are working remotely um, can stay kind of jazzed about their work is they engage with other people uh, who are not their colleagues, but are also interested in the same topics, they're in the same industry, or they're just people you meet up at uh, a shared workplace or a coffee somewhere and, and just talk about uh, work-related things. You can, you can have colleagues who are not your official colleagues, can't you? Yeah. And, and let me say something now. Let me say a couple things about that. Number one is that, you know, before we had a pandemic of a virus, we already had an epidemic of loneliness and isolation in the United States. And that certainly hasn't gotten better, Beverly, right? So yeah. uh, I think that we as leaders need to recognize that that's true, even though we have, may not have felt it, that folks on our team may have. Uh, so that's the first thing I would say. And the second thing, and one of the things that lots of organizations, lots of leaders, lots of team members that we talk to are finding now is that, hey, we've maintained the relationships with our, with, with our, what I'll call our nuclear, t- nuclear team, right? The six of us on the team that share the same supervisor. We, we've made, we've figured out how to maintain those pretty well, but what's been what's been uh, hampered a lot is that next ring of all those other people that we interacted with in the in the office that we hand work off to and such. But 
but it's not the same as being on the, the, the actual core team. And so one of my pieces of advice to us now, now and moving forward, if we're going to be in some sort of a hybrid mode where we're not in the office every day, is make sure that we think about broadening those those relationships beyond just the core team, number one. And then number two, if we're going to be in the office um, a couple of days a week or one day a week or whatever, whatever your version of a hybrid will be, then we need to think about doing different work based on where we're working, right? If, if we do believe, and I think this is this is a sketchy assumption, but if we do believe that we need to be together to collaborate, then let's make sure that we're having our meetings on the days when we're in the office or making sure that we are having a coffee or whatever with the people that we want to continue to interact with or build our relationships with on the days we're in the office. Uh, put some open space in our calendars on those days to allow for the serendipitous conversations and all those sorts of things and, and make the days of of the, the personal work, the work where we want less distractions and less interaction interruptions to happen on the days when we're at home. So the more that we start to think consciously about how to be more productive in multiple situations, the better chance we'll have a success, not only in getting our work done, but building the relationships as we've been talking about here. And, and that kind of consciousness of doing the work that matches the moment is something that, um, remote workers can develop in order to, to be more engaged. And it's um, one thing that you just described is if you're in a place where there are other people down the hall, well, take advantage of this time to connect with those other people and do the alone work, you know, the deep work when you're back at home. But it's also a matter of um, knowing your own energy level and uh, when's a good time for you to connect? If if you like to kind of work alone on a deep project early in the morning, then maybe you go in later or you uh, schedule um, some mornings where you can work at home. But if, if it's lunchtime when you want to connect with other people, then kind of note that. We all have different calendars as well as different needs. So if, the more you notice about where you do the best work in what situation, the the better you're going to be at um, uh, being productive and also connecting with other people because you're going to find a time when you're open to being with other I people. Doesn't that. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I agree with that 100%. And I think that there are far too many people that haven't thought about when, when their power hours are, if you will, when they're at their best and, and how, and how to consciously use that time as best they can. And some people will say, well, you know, I work in the organization and I have to take the meetings when the meetings are uh, happen. And there's some truth to that, but we don't need to be a victim to that. We need to put more consciousness in that. And the way that you said it is great. And, and doing that is just one of the ways that we can find our happy at work. How about that? Oh, thank you. That was a um, a nod to my book, and I appreciate it. Very cleverly done. All right. Now, speaking of nods to book, I want to give the the full title of your book. It's the law or your your newest one, the long distance teammate. Stay engaged and connected while working anywhere. And I I do recommend it for people who are trying to figure out how they're going to to navigate this next career phase, whatever it might bring. Can you um, mention your website or where uh, I, I know that you've got a huge amount of information in your blog and other resources. Where can people find that stuff? 
Yeah. Well, they can. So thank you so, so, so much for having me and for, for talking about the long distance teammate and long distance leader. And you can find both of those books at Amazon or any place that you buy your books. You can go to longdistanceteammate.com, get a sample chapter uh, and learn more about that book. Uh, but, and, and you can learn more about all of our work around remote at the remote, excuse me, at remoteleadershipinstitute.com. And if you've enjoyed our conversation and want to get connected with me, I would be honored if you would just go find me on LinkedIn and and, uh, and reach out to connect with me there and say, hey, I heard you on Beverly's podcast and I'd like to be connected. And I would be joyfully willing to, to respond. And uh, that will get you connected to a lot of the content that we're creating on a regular basis. Well, that is a terrific suggestion. And I, I imagine you're going to have find some people wanting to connect with you after they've heard this. This is a delight. It's always wonderful to talk with you. And um, congratulations on stepping into leadership and being flexible as you explore the, uh, the world of remote work and hybrid work. Well, thank you so much. And again, it was such a pleasure to be with you. I've been looking forward to this and glad we had the chance to do it. Today we've been talking with Kevin Eikenberry about handling the challenges of remote work and flourishing wherever you are. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Bev Jones, author of Find Your Happy at Work. Today's tip is that remote work offers great opportunities, but to succeed, you have to take charge of your career and not always wait for guidance. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love it if you'd give us a five-star rating or maybe tell your friends.